Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. Today we are here with Kate O'Sullivan, MA, LMFT, SEP. Kate is a licensed psychotherapist in the state of California and a somatic experiencing practitioner and has a private practice in Burbank, California. Kate grew up taking piano lessons and was involved in theater in high school and now sings in her church choir and is a member of the worship team. Kate, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you both. Excellent. You, I'm going to go ahead and say you're the smartest person we've had on the show. Oh, gosh. And uh, <laughs> this uh, is actually our season one finale today. This is Woo-hoo. our 10th episode. So you are the grand finale. Wow. Um, you have a lot of smart sounding letters behind your name. Can you tell us what yeah, all those mean? Sure. MA is a master's of arts. So I have a master's degree. LMFT is the Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. That's the license I have with the state of California. And SEP is Somatic Experiencing Practitioner. Wow, and what is that exactly? It is a a therapeutic um, practice of following the nervous system, working with trauma, but working with the body. Oftentimes, talk therapy works first with the stories people tell, and people get caught up in the story, and the body is neglected often in talk therapy. But with all the brain research in the last 10, 15 years, more and more clinicians are including the body. And this particular training, somatic experiencing, has been around for a long time and is one of the founders of that kind of work. Wow. So um, we'll talk more about the nervous system as we go along. Yeah. But when it comes to anxiety and trauma, it's very, very important to track the body because that's where all the information lives. Cool. I'm excited to get into all that. And just to kind of rewind for a second, too, if people are wondering, all of our episodes up until now have been with um, musicians and touring musicians and things like that, all related to mindset. And so we thought it would be fun to have Kate in here to address some of the mindset uh, aspects from a actually knowledgeable standpoint and, you know, <laughs> someone that knows what they're talking about and address all the things you're talking about, what goes on with the body, what goes on with the mind, how mm-hmm. to deal with that and get all that under control. So Right, because if, uh, if you've been listening to every show to this point, you have heard that every guest experiences some kind of anxiety or nervousness before a show, um, and they each have had their own way of getting around that. We've talked about it kind of in musician terms and vague terms, so I th- this would be a great opportunity for people to hear it in um, more clinical terms. Yes. So we're really excited to have you on. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm always glad to uh, offer information about how the body works because we live in it, and we should know how it functions so we can work with the body instead of against it. Yep, I love it. <clears throat> So with that in mind, um, we had talked about some initial thoughts that we could get into. Yes. Um, what do you have for us? Well, the, um, the question is, is what is performance anxiety? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I looked over a little bit online, and basically performance anxiety is the experience of a perceived threat mm-hmm. to one's physical, emotional, or psychological safety in relationship to performing and performing in front of others. So what that tells us is that uh, your body is having the reaction as if you uh, almost got hit by a car or if you were being chased by a mountain lion. (laughs) And of course you're not, but your body is responding the same way. All mammals, when they perceive a threat to their safety, our nervous systems just shift right into fight flight. Mm-hmm. And it's it's for survival's sake. So, given that we're all mammals, we do the same thing. In fight flight, the body is pumped full of adrenaline, cortisol, and norepinephrine. These are stress hormones, and these hormones give you the extra energy you need to fight or to run. There's a larger volume of blood that goes to your extremities, again for the purpose of helping you fight or run. 
Um, your sight becomes narrow, maybe very focused. Your heart rate increases. Your breathing becomes more rapid. Your muscles become tense. And all of that is prepare you to help you spring into action. And it's all um, exact opposite of what we want and need to be yes. in an ideal creative state to make music and make art. Yes. It's what you're working against yourself. I think especially that tension, that muscle tension, right? Muscle we want to be tension. very relaxed when we're playing. And yes. Can't the, do that if you're tense. Yes, the optimum is that relaxed alert state right. where your body is relaxed, but you're, you're mentally alert, but you're not anxious. Right. And this is the exact opposite, as you said. Right. Also known as flow state mm -hmm. in like Michael Gervais terms. For yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Pardon me. So all of this um, reaction is in thanks to the reptilian brain or the lower brain. Uh, now, <clears throat> that's hardwired for s survival, like I mentioned. And a simple explanation of the brain is that uh, it, it's seen as having three areas or functions in general. Uh, the one is the neocortex, and that's the thinking part of the brain we're using right now. Um, then there's the um, limbic brain or the limbic circuits, and the limbic brain uh, is the emotional brain, and it governs our attachment to others, and it assesses emotional revel, rev, relevance. Relevance. Thank you. I can. <laughs> I've always had a hard time with that word. Um, it emo it um, assesses that of all of our experiences. So it's attaching emotional meaning to our experiences. Then there's the reptilian brain, which is the lower brain. And that covers everything we don't have to think about. Digestion, reproduction, breathing, and fight flight for survival. Right. So it's automatic. So it's important to understand <laughs> that this is part of your survival system. It's automatic. There's, you, you can't stop it, but you can manage it. You can learn to manage it. So you've got essentially the thinking brain, the emotional brain, the survival brain. Yes. And the goal for our purposes is to uh, flip. Uh, ordinarily, the survival brain will overpower the thinking brain. Absolutely. And we're trying to get to a place to where the thinking brain can outsmart the survival brain. <clears throat> well, is it, it, would that be a right way to say it? Well, it's one way to say it. I don't. You, no, the answer yeah. is no. That's the answer right. is no. <laughs> <clears throat> so, <clears throat> the language of the reptilian brain or the lower brain is sensation. Think mm -hmm. about it. Breathing, reproduction, digestion, fight, flight. Mm -hmm. Those are all based in sensation in the body. For us to tell ourselves, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, is an effort of the higher brain to try to control the lower brain. Right. And it's not going to work. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's not going to work. Um, or very rarely is it going to work. Mm. It, it can give the appearance of working, but not really. That's what I want to say. That's really interesting because we haven't talked about this, but mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what you would say is the solution to that because up until right now, even in everything I've ever done, I've thought that way. I've thought that that's the goal, that the thinking brain needs to overpower the survival brain, but you're saying yeah. that's not the case. Well, <clears throat> certainly we all have learned to do that in our lives. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really take care or calm the lower brain. You're, you're, you're forcing your will over it. So, you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't work. I'm right. just saying I don't know if it's the best way for it for, to address this gotcha. issue. Makes sense. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So, what can we do about this is the next question. Mm -hmm. um, I have six tools. The first three have to do with the body. The second three uh, address our thinking. So again, we can't address the thinking first because our body is activated in a, in a high, what we call high activated state. So the first thing a person can do is some belly breathing. Now I say belly breathing because if you look at an animal taking a nap or a baby or you're watching somebody take a nap, they're breathing into their belly. 
And so this tool is that you breathe in for three seconds, you hold the breath for three seconds, and then you exhale for three seconds. The challenge with this is when you're holding the breath, you don't wanna tighten your muscles. You wanna breathe into your belly, which a lot of people have a hard time because we're so conscious of our bellies in this culture. And then you hold it, still being mindful of keeping your shoulders relaxed. And then you exhale. When we're anxious, we often breathe in our upper chest, but that only increases the adrenaline. Because you think about it, if you're running from a tiger, you're right, the fast breathing. The fast breathing. Yeah. We want to do the opposite of that. Right. So it really takes paying attention to your body and breathing deeply in, holding it, and then exhaling. And you do that until you sense a shift. You feel yourself calming down a bit. Would you say minimum of three repetitions, though? Oh, at least three. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no magic number because every nervous system is different. Mm-hmm. That's what makes life interesting is that everybody is different. So don't expect the results. Feel the results. Yes. Be present with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And pay attention to the body, and you'll notice if you're starting to and to calm. This, the second tool, <clears throat> pardon me, is called five senses of grounding. And these, this is the tool. Notice five things that you can see, and really take it in. Count them, but really notice them, like be present with them. Notice four things that you can feel, like the chair underneath you or or the chair back behind you, your foot on the ground, the fabric of whatever you're wearing, paying attention to that. Notice three things you can hear. If you really listen, like I can hear the buzz. Right, right? the lights. And the light, that's right, from the lights. You can hear the car driving by. Right. Right. And then notice two things you can smell. So, like, don't do this exercise in a tour van. No. (laughs) You would know that more than I. (laughs) And then notice one thing you can taste and really savor that. Hopefully it's a pleasant taste. But really pay attention to that taste. So this grounds you in the body into your five senses. And that will help calm and slow you down can people have to do all five or can they pick one or two or is there research on if one is stronger than the other you know all five are important Mm -hmm. Um, some of us have a preference for one sense over the other but it's still important to do all five there's no research that I'm aware of Mm -hmm. but this is the exercise that's given Um, this one the one with the breath, and then the one I'm going to get into in a minute, are all exercises for anxiety. Mm -hmm. So therapists use this with anxious patients all the time Mm -hmm. and teach them these tools. And of course, you're not going to be good at these three in the beginning. It takes practice. So why not practice calming yourself down before you're even near a performance situation. I think that's a great point. So like like, w- often as musicians, when we practice our craft and, and people can practice, and we talked about this with Aubrey, she's like practicing her stage moves, you know, like early on when she started. Um, so we can practice all those things, but we can also practice calming ourselves down. Right. Right, because that's part of the performance. Excellent. It is an excellent idea. You don't want to take this on the night of a performance. Mm-hmm. Or the hour before. Yeah, so just creating the habit of that, incorporating this stuff, even if it's just one of these things, into your daily routine or at least your daily practice routine yeah. um, and, and reminding yourself. It's so funny like you mentioned these senses and how many of our guests have, are, are were saying that they were doing these things, whether they knew that this was the <laughs> you know clinical approach or not. I mean, you talk about the breathing. I specifically remember Ryan saying, you know, he would write down, breathe, right? And, and to make it a habit. And then you talk about hearing and listening, how you would see Dweezil like have the word listen right in, right in front of his, uh, or on his, on his um, 
his pedal board. So I think like these highly performing musicians were doing these things, but um, it's you know they found it through trial and error, right. you know, of like like okay, wh- why is this not happening? So I think this is great insight for people that are you know starting their career mm-hmm. that they don't have that experience yet mm-hmm. to hear that hey look this is legit stuff yes. you know like like world class people are doing this you should do it too but but nobody has talked about making it a habit as part of their practice yet i think that's really great i think it's an important idea uh, f- for every human actually <laughs> to learn how to calm our bodies down yeah yeah uh, because we are always we are often in situations whether it's performance or a first date with somebody or you know whatever where we get activated and our nervous systems are in high alert and we get our palms get sweaty and we our hearts beating fast and that's normal that's a normal reaction and it's okay to practice calming yourself down yeah, yeah. that's great we talked about this with Aubrey as well that um, there was a James Taylor interview where he said that most people will experience maybe once a year or something like a a tax audit or a birth of a child or right. you know some like major event the physicality that that puts you through and the mental uh, things that you go through uh, performers experience on a nightly basis and how that's a lot of mileage to put on and how coping with that you know well when you think about it that's a lot of stress hormones pumping through your body and what's true about the stress hormones is that they do wear out your organs because you're only supposed to be in stress exactly in a short amount of time until you fight or run. You think about, you know, animals in the wild, they're grazing, like the antelope or the zebra, they're grazing. They hear a break a broken twig and they orient themselves to the sound to check it out because they're looking to see if they're in danger or if it was just a bird. And if it was just a bird, they go, they go back to grazing. Their nervous system shifts back down so they can eat, rest, and digest. If it's a lion, they, they really amp up all, you know, the nervous system amps up, and they're given everything they need to run for survival. Mm-hmm. But then after that, after that's passed, their body naturally goes back down to a calm place where they can take a nap, they can eat. So you're only supposed to be in that high activated place for just a moment or, you know, long enough to get through the stressor. But if you're performing every night and you're experiencing every night, that's yeah. a lot of cortisol. Yeah, if you're if you're trying to be a professional musician, you can't put yourself through that on a nightly nightly basis. Correct. You have to come up with ways to normalize that. Right. And we see with Dweezil and Aubrey, they um, I think it was those two they already they found those two senses that worked for them mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's great so if you're saying find what works for you well that, maybe would, not everything will work for everybody but find what's best for you well i would practice all five mm-hmm. while you're in training while mm-hmm. you're a student and then just notice what your body leans toward mine leans towards sensation so that's where I that's where I go when I feel a little activated is sensation. It's part of hearing my voice in my chest and feeling the chair underneath me and having my foot on the ground. Yeah. I'm trying so hard not to go down like five different paths right now <laughs> and stay on and stay on point. <laughs> um, so we covered two. There was a there was a third. Uh, yes, the third. I've said it in the others. The third is to learn to be present. Mm -hmm. Look around, see where you are. Feel the chair underneath you, your your, your feet on the floor. Get back, you know, be in your body. Be where you presently are. Anxiety takes us into our heads and we either go back to the, you know, to the past where we've made mistakes or we anticipate mistakes into the future, but we're not here now. And I'm pretty sure, 99% sure, that if you practice being present in this moment, all is well. There's nothing wrong in this moment. And we'll give some um, resources later 
about how to practice being present, tools that help you practice being present. But that's going to be the strongest thing for you to develop to really deal with this performance anxiety. That's awesome. Like we talked about the other day that anxiety is the consumption of what could go wrong. Yes. So you're thinking, you're consuming um, possibilities that probably won't happen. Correct. Meanwhile, creating more anxiety, more cortisol, more, adre- more adrenaline, and it becomes this self-perpetuating thing. Exactly, because then you're not um, present to focus on being creative or thinking about what you actually have to do. You're thinking about other things. Yes, or the enjoyment of what you are about to do, right. which really, that is so essential, is for you to enjoy this experience. Yeah. Right, and participate in the in the making of music. Absolutely. Such a wonderful, wonderful creative out, you know, experience. Yeah. Before we get into any exercises that people can do to, to train these skills, I think it's important to address the culture that somebody needs to be in to even get into that. Because I, I find that some people are just, they're not open to these concepts hmm. of uh, you know, reflecting and, and going, hey, maybe I do have some anxiety or you know, maybe breathing is good for me. There are, there are people there are people that, that for whatever reason, you know, um, just I'll call it their culture, uh, aren't open to these concepts. So how would somebody lay the foundation that they can uh, then build on? Well, what is true is that all human beings have a nervous system. And where all mammals are wired this way, So it might mean stepping outside of your culture to embrace the fact that you're human Mm. and that you have a nervous system and it's going to function the way it's going to function. And if you're not paying attention to it, it will be a problem. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. Yeah, it really is. I mean, some some of the wonderful therapies that have come about with the brain research in the last 15, 20 years for trauma can be taken all over the world because all humans experience trauma in the same way and they all can be treated because we're working with the nervous system. It doesn't matter what culture it is, what language they speak. It's a human thing. Right, so just uh, like really accepting that is the place to start. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to do these kind of things. You know, it's going to be good for you and benefit you. Well, just as you want to become a master of your craft, You want to also think about this is your body. You can be the captain of this ship. Mm -hmm. Understand it and learn to work with it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, no, most definitely. And and this is, I think, a a perfect way to to sum up all of the uh, interviews that we've done. And the theme of the show is is that it starts with the mind. Right, and if you can take care of the mind by taking care of the body, yes. So we we have to embrace that what we're talking about here today is just as important as any technical exercise you're going to do on your instrument. Absolutely, Uh, and some would argue more, more, right? Exactly. Some could argue more. Yeah, it's Uh, it's foundational. Because no matter how brilliant you sound in the practice room, if you don't have the mental tools to be able to call on that when it counts, then it's pointless. Well, then you and I had, a, we've had many conversations mm-hmm. of late, but I remember saying to you, I have heard musicians who play technically beautifully, but they're not inhabiting their body. There's no soul and life and vitality to their fingers on the strings or on the keyboards. Mm-hmm. There's just no passion there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, huge difference. Yeah in terms of how you affect people, right. your audience. Mm-hmm. You want to, uh, a lot of people don't want to pay attention to their bodies for a variety of reasons. But th- this is the way, you know, this is our earth suit. <laughs> yeah. This is how we get around and we better to understand it and work with it than try to ignore it and have it be a problem. And I think Jason, what you're talking about maybe is like people who just it's a personality thing, like not yeah. a, like a reflective person or mm. maybe it's like a macho thing or it could be any number of things. But Kate, what you're saying I think is so great because you're, it doesn't matter your personality type, what you do, where you are. 
-hmm. there is such a common denominator to all human beings yes. that you have to, um, you just have to accept that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was getting at here yeah. is if, if yeah. there's anyone listening uh, that, that maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, yeah, but I don't really need to do that. Exactly. <laughs> you, you do need to do that. You know, like, like I, have, I have yet to met yet to meet a, a really high performer in anything, not just music, that didn't have a strong presence about them uh, and, and who is not open-minded to these kind of things. I mean, this is just, it's part of the game. So embrace it and make it a part of your practice and you'll see that it actually works for you, Absolutely. not against you, and then you stop working against yourself. So I just want to lay that foundation before we move forward, uh, just Perfect. in case there's anyone out there that um, is listening and thinking, yeah, okay, but. Like Homer Simpson said, shut up brain or I'll stab you with a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are like that. <laughs> well, you know, what's true is that the more connected you are to your body and the more you inhabit yourself and the more present you are, yeah. You're going to have an impact in everything you do. Yeah. Because there are a lot of zombies walking yeah. around, you know, who are not inhabiting totally. their bodies. So. so we have talked about three things that you can do for the body. The belly breathing, the five senses of grounding, and practicing being present in this very moment. So remember, anxiety is a body-mind thing. So we've taken care of some issues with the body. Now, let's deal with our thinking. The next tool is called thought stopping. This is a very common tool for anxiety. And what's true is that your mind is going to think. Your mind's job is to think thoughts all day, all night. That's what it does. We're sitting here now, and even as I'm talking, my mind is thinking, if I'm paying attention to it. Our job is to notice what, thought, what those thoughts are and determine which of those thoughts are going to serve my goals and which will not. Thought stopping is exactly what it's called. You just stop the thought. <clears throat> You're not going to let some crazy thought set up camp and take up real estate in your mind. You don't need to do that. You have a choice. You don't have to pay attention to all your thoughts. Mm -hmm. It is like setting mental boundaries. You know, we set physical boundaries, we have fences, you know, on our properties. This is a mental boundary. So you stop the thought. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Another thing that has come up with a couple past guests, especially Nick Petrillo comes to mind. He and I had started doing this thing called a self-journal. Mm. And it's kind of a time management tool. But along the lines of what you're saying, it's it's hard for me to be able to organize a lot of thoughts when I have stresses popping up of like things I have to do, yes. for example. Like I'm getting ready to leave on Friday for three weeks and these things keep coming up that I have to do. So part of what this journal does is you can write it down and then you, you can stop thinking about it. That's right. As soon as you write it down, you I know that I can address that because mm -hmm. otherwise it keeps popping up into my mind like don't forget this don't forget this that's right and then I can write it down and then when it pops up again I go I don't have to think about that I wrote it down and it's gonna get done and I don't right. have to keep so worrying you, about it so you did the thought stopping right there that, exactly. I don't have to think about this I've written it down yep exactly right yes yeah and so and you see you can see that your mind is trying to help you but sometimes it's over helpful right right <laughs> and it doesn't need to be you know so you you can manage it's like I tell my kids you want to help don't help <laughs> right. right so that's the first tool to address our thinking the second is called reality testing I think this is an important skill for everybody on the planet uh, but you know after your body has calmed down and you're, you've learned to practice stopping the thoughts you can actually look around and say is there an actual threat right now right this minute and again, 99% of the time, the answer is going to be no. Mm -hmm. There is actually nothing horrible happening in this moment. Right. So now this is an example of your thinking telling your lower brain there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. But we've already calmed down the body enough so that 
you're, you know, there's some um, workability between these two parts of you. Right. If you, I mean, you have kids, you know that if they're highly upset, you can't talk to them. Mm-hmm. You just can't talk to anybody who's highly upset. You have to help them calm down first, and then there can be a conversation. Mm-hmm. Same thing with ourselves. So test reality. Now, this is where I want to insert and say that for some people, some traumas in the past do intrude on life and do come up uh, when we get anxious. They do get reactivated. And if that's a case, if that's a chronic problem, then I'd say go seek professional help. Help somebody, have somebody help you resolve those traumas because there's a lot of very effective tools out there like EMDR or somatic experiencing mm-hmm. or the trauma resource model. A um, lot of very good tools to help resolve, complete, renegotiate a trauma so that your nervous system doesn't have to be activated by something. Um, yeah, I was just Yeah, talking. that's great. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. The third tool of the thinking part of ourselves is to let go of being perfect. There is no perfect for any longer than a moment, and often our need to be perfect cripples us from doing anything. Instead, my coaching would be is to relax into being good enough, be in the moment. And this will free you to be your best. Now, when I walked into your um, room here today, I saw a couple of things about excellence. And I think the pursuit of excellence is wonderful. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the need to be perfect as an identity, as I'm not good enough unless I'm perfect. Strive for the excellence but let go of needing to be perfect in every single moment. I would think that needing to be perfect is a big problem for anyone in their life, but I think it's especially a big problem when you're playing music, more so. Certainly, because it's uh, more like baking over cooking. The ingredients matter. What you're doing matters to the whole, right? It's precise, like baking is. Mm -hmm. So um, that would make sense. But in the practice... And in the doing, strive, for, and we'll get into this. We're, we're gonna, the next section is how to prepare for a performance. But if you've trained your body, your body knows how to do this. Right. You, you just strive for excellence. You go for being the best you can be in that moment and let go of perfect. Yep. For, yeah, so excellence would, would, in my mind, and what, what, what I... Um, our philosophy here at my school, Guitar Ninjas, is effort. Excellence is effort. Mm-hmm. As long as you're giving your your absolute best effort yes. without getting in your own way, yes. that is excellence. And I think as a musician, you kind of tie all this together. Uh, you're you're saying you know you know a lot of musicians will fall victim of trying to be perfect. You know this they think this is part of the gig. Well, that is the reason why players can play without feeling or soul, right? Is like they're they're too involved in the technicalities of things and not focused enough on the experience of it, right? So the the experience of playing is what an audience is going to see and feel because they're watching you experience something. You know, like they can feel almost what you feel. Oh, you know, and yes. any musician out there that's that's played in a flow state knows exactly what we're talking about here you know like it's like i i would say it's like it's like we're like surfers riding a wave you know why are those surfers out there at six o'clock in the morning when the water's freezing well you don't know until you've ridden a wave you know it's it's that feeling that we're that we're chasing so if you're going for you know note for note accuracy and beating yourself up if you miss one little thing you're diluting the experience Mm -hmm. right and and note for note doing that 
ultimately takes away from your performance. And if we're talking about, you know, getting gigs and making a career out of this, that's going to hurt your career. Yeah. So trying to be perfect is actually working against you. Yep. So I think what you're saying here is crucial that that we, we have to be okay with you know, making mistakes or being, let's just say, be okay with being human. Well, You're not a machine, you know, it. like, yeah. <laughs> right. It's true. Um, I think I'll throw in the piano story now. Yeah, please. <laughs> so when I was a little girl growing up, my mother gave uh, me piano lessons. Um, and uh, I would go to Mrs. Griffiths here in Burbank every week to have my lessons and then I would go home to practice and my mother was you know the gatekeeper and commander of when I would practice and as I would practice if I made any mistakes she would hit me with a coffee cord so she beat me every time I made a mistake and that made my experience of learning the piano very very difficult and so I never really even though I, I have a piano, I never play in front of other people. And I, hmm. I never really went very far with it because that was my early experience. Yeah. And, sense. you know, this didn't come up until we were talking about right. this whole deal. So I think I need to get some EMDR for that particular yeah. experience. Uh, so I'm a little more freed up. Yeah, but wow. um, that really affected my relationship with playing the piano. Um. <clears throat> I have a side question here, sure. um, just from a from a coaching perspective, because mm. this is a music school here that yes. I, that I offer. I I listen to your story, and and you know, obviously, nobody wants their their child to not want to play, you know, because they're so strict. So, what's the balance from like a parenting perspective? What's mm. the and this is off topic, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll circle back. But like, what's the balance of making sure that that your kid is pushing themselves and that you are guiding them in a direction where, look, there needs to be some kind of effort, mm -hmm. but not overdoing it. Well, I think the first thing is, is it, um, does the kid really want to learn this, this instrument? The truth was my mother wanted the piano lessons. Mm. And, and I was grateful for it because it introduced me to music in a way that affected, of course, my whole life. But she really wanted the piano lessons. And so me making a mistake was a reflection on her. So that's the first thing. Does the child really want to learn the instrument? Or is it the parent's agenda? And if the child wants to learn, then this is another experience of the practice of being human. In practice, you will make mistakes. And that's okay. You're training, to, to think about it is you're training your body to learn the chords, you're learning the melody, you're learning that song. Because you are, you're training your body for muscle memory, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to encourage the, the child to, in that way, and educate them that you're training your fingers, in this case guitar, where they're going to go for this chord, for this song, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's, those are the things that I think about. And I would say encouragement and making mistakes is a part of it. And every time that there's success, like I finally played through this piece without any mistakes, great. That's great. So you celebrate that, but you don't punish for mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think this is a way we can tie this back in is, um, I can't recall which guest was talking about this, but recognizing what works for you and what doesn't. I think it was Tina we were talking about, like, like what style works for you and, yeah. and what doesn't. And don't try and force a style. Right. For you know, try and figure out who you are. Like maybe you're playing the wrong instrument, yeah. um, mm. or maybe you're playing the wrong style. Right. But just make sure that you're doing it for you. So, really reflecting back on you know, especially at the beginning of your your musical career, why are you doing this? You know, like what what are your goals? What's yeah. your end game? That's and, right. And having that crystal clear vision mm -hmm. is what will drive you through the challenges because there there definitely will be challenges yep. no doubt about it but you know not beating yourself up over missed notes and just making sure that you're in alignment with your purpose excellent e exactly uh, and we're going to get into crystal clear vision in a minute let's go <laughs> so, so in preparation for performance i've said this and i'll say it again you have to practice well 
You have to be relaxed in practice, allowing your body to learn to take in so that you have it for muscle memory. Be kind to yourself, be at ease, be as non-judgmental as possible. Get coaching and teaching if you're having a struggle with a particular part of a piece. Uh, correct yourself as needed, but be kind. Nobody learns well in a tense, critical environment. Nobody does. Dogs even don't. So why would we do that to ourselves, right? Um, the next thing I want to say in preparation is about use your imagination. Visualize. You talked about having a crystal clear vision about where you want to go. We use our imaginations for regret and you know everything we did in the past that we feel badly about. We use our imaginations to play scenes that could happen in the future that terrify us. And my coaching is use this amazing skill for your benefit. Use your imagination to help you. So use your imagination to see your fingers working and playing through the piece. Use your imagination if you have a performance. See the setting. See the friends that you're playing with. Feel the enjoyment. Imagine that all um, and enjoy it. Imagine it over and over and over again. Remember, music is a form of play. It's completely enjoyable. You want to remember that, too, and imagine that as well. So use your imagination. Use visualizations to help you in preparation. That's great, and that even ties back into the thought stopping. You know, if you think, think of it in terms of anxiety is you're imagining what could go wrong. Yes. Stop that mm -hmm. and imagine yourself doing great. That's right. Visualize that and put that in your head. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. And just something to add on to that is if you've never done something like that before, don't get frustrated if you try the first time to, right. you know, like envision a, a situation mm -hmm. and it's not coming to you. Right. It, you have to put in the work and the time. And this is just as much a practice as anything else. Yes. Uh, because, I mean, we you call it goal setting or, or, or vision casting, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it does require several repetitions so that the, the the brain can start to realize and actualize what you're trying to do. I personally experienced this. I mean, like I, I can have points where I'm very crystal clear on what I'm trying to execute. And then there'll be times where it's a little fuzzy. Yeah. But I've learned that the fuzziness is just my brain trying to figure it out and that if I keep at it, it'll clear up and now I see where to go. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're going to try this, just know that it's a process, right? And and if it doesn't if you can't see things right, you know, the first time, mm -hmm. that's okay. Just keep going at it. Yes, it's a skill to be developed. Exactly. Certainly. And when you pardon me, when you visualize, you want to feel it. It's not just um, a mental exercise. It's an embodiment of the of what you're seeing with your mind. So, you know, you're really imagining yourself in the chair, on the stage, and uh, sometimes I even imagine what I'm going to wear. You know, it's like I, I have the whole thing set up so that um, my nervous system feels like it's already been through this. It's not the first right. time. Right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I have a funny story that's related to this. I, was, I, I listened to Audible my books on tape, you know, and I was listening to this book called Other Minds, and it's a book on cephalopods. Cephalopods are squids, cuttlefish, and octopus, hmm. and um, uh, I was enjoying this book immensely because those are amazing creatures. They're really alien-like, um, but he spent a good amount of time on the octopus, and so for days, I'm driving around town. I have octopus on my brain. And I went to a tennis class, and I was at the net. And now I found myself reaching for balls I would have never tried for. But suddenly I felt like my arm was a tentacle, and it was just reaching out there. And I was shocked 
Uh, my coach was shocked. <laughs> the other players were shocked. Like, how did you get that? And I told them, I said, I've been reading about <laughs> the octopus. <laughs> and I had octopus on the mind. So that was sort of an unintentional visualization. I had octopus on the brain, and it affected how I played tennis, mm -hmm. of all things. Mm -hmm. So... It can be unintentional, too. So, again, you're the gatekeeper of what you put into your mind because it affects how you live your life. That's amazing. Yeah. And you're, the um, visualization, I think you're saying when it's done right, you can feel the physical effects of it as if it were totally real. Totally real. Yeah. <clears throat> again, it's living an embodied life. Yeah. And just before we move on from that story. Yes. Do you know how to make an octopus laugh? No, I don't. With tentacles. <laughs> tentacles? <laughs> tentacles. Is this, is this from Theo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a million of them. I <laughs> So, anyway. It's the amazing. delivery. The it's delivery is always good. I know. It's really great. It's great. I'll remember that one. Yes. I'm feel, still fascinated. Feel free to use it. I will. <laughs> the whole podcast was just made worth it just now. <laughs> so, your imagination is powerful. Use it. To your advantage and along the lines of what Jason was saying you know for people who are starting out with this I I haven't done a ton of it I've done it a little bit and I, I want to do it more but when I very first started it was helpful for me to be very specific in yes. terms of um, it would be about a specific gig and maybe even a specific song and picturing my gear and like maybe if I was going to be playing my own drums or rental drums or whatever. And it, as opposed to like just trying to like have positive thoughts, be really specific. I would say if, for someone starting out to be specific, pick a song, pick an upcoming performance, pick a section of a song, mentally rehearse. And I think the more specific you are, the more effective it can be. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it just occurred to me <clears throat> that there are some who do better with visualization, and there are some who do not. And I guess, you know, one task is to figure out which you are. Mm -hmm. But if visualizations don't work for you, oftentimes affirmations will. Um, one of the resources I have for us is uh, a woman named Bella Ruth Nappersack, and she has this health journeys company, and she uh, offers these guided visualizations uh, for sale. And um, <clears throat> I forgot why I brought her up, but but anyway, um, affirmations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, affirmations. she she says in her first track of all of her CDs that. For some, the visualizations will work. For others, affirmations will work. So I just thought I should say that because your listeners could be partial visual visualizers and partial people who would use affirmations. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying affirmations work, you're talking about like uh, put something on the fridge that you see every day, a saying or something like that? Or? Right, right. Um, let's see. I am capable um, and competent to play this piece mm -hmm. you know something like that so it's really and when you say it you feel it I am capable and I am confident in playing this piece right yeah and we talk about Michael Gervais a lot we're all big fans but one thing that he has said very clearly he said confidence a lot of people think confidence comes from uh, experience or I've put in the preparation or I've practiced enough Mm. He says confidence only comes from one place, and it's self-talk. And so you're yeah. saying these positive things to yourself. That's where your confidence is going to come from. Yes, yes, because you can be highly prepared and very skilled, but lack the self-esteem, mm -hmm. the self-confidence. That's true. So self-talk is important. But again, that's, you know, that's going to be stronger for some, right. and the visualization is going to be stronger for others. Yeah. So play with it. See which works for you. Yeah, for, for the listener, be aware of all of them and try them all. Mm -hmm. See what you like. Right. Yeah. Fundamentally, it's all going to be about a couple of things. 
train your body to learn. Make the environment you learn in a really positive environment and train your body to learn. Then, and trust then that your body knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get on the tennis court and I overthink. And I, um, one of our resources is, uh, you know, the inner game of tennis. And right. the same guy wrote the inner game of music. Yeah, and I'm book. reminded of his book when I'm on the court. Mm-hmm. And I have to remember, my body knows how to play tennis. I don't have to overthink this because the thinking makes my body tense and it keeps me in my head and tennis well you have to be in your body to play tennis (laughs) to play well you have to really inhabit your body Um, so train your body well the second is to train your mind train your mind to be in the present moment train your mind to stop the thoughts you don't want setting up camp and focus on what you Have a clear idea of where you want to go, but train your mind. It will always be about these two things. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I think this is incredibly valuable for for people to hear. And and a lot of these things that, you know, we've talked about today, I mean, I've learned just through trial and error, you know, doing this for as long as I've done this and Dave, you the same. Um, But again, the reason that we bring this content to you guys listening is to help you get more or less a shortcut into how this stuff really works, you know, so um, you're going to have to go through these journeys, but uh, train your mind to be present in this moment. I mean, I can't (laughs) I can't say enough how important that is, Uh, not only in in performing music, but in, in living your life, because the more aware that you are both how you physically feel and what you're thinking, the better outcome you're going to get, right? And and if you're listening to the show, hopefully that's what you're trying to do is improve your outcome Absolutely. of your career, of your playing, of uh, just yourself. Uh, so training your body to learn and trusting your body right. and being okay with mistakes, making mistakes and looking at them as learning uh, vessels. That's right. And then again, training your mind to be present I mean, you're right on. Like, if if we had to sum up the, the, the this first season of the show, I mean, that's it. It's those two things. Because what you've heard in this in these episodes is, is people all coming from different starting points, mm-hmm. but all ending up in the same spot, right? Which is right. doing what they want to be doing. They're mm-hmm. professional musicians, high-level, respected musicians that understand that anybody can practice. But the people that go above and beyond is are those that practice not only their craft but their mindset and their uh, awareness of who they are and what's going on in that moment and that's propelled them to to higher levels so now knowing this knowledge that we talked about today and i want to get to the resources here in a second and then and then where people can find you um I think it would be a really cool experiment for listeners to go back to the beginning of the season and listen through the interviews again and start to find the themes. Yeah, you know, the common threads of what we talked right, about today. Because, yeah. because we, we've you know, done that you know, and we experienced that, and you're going to find that there definitely are threads. And it's, it's been very, very interesting. And we're going to, to do more of that in, in, in the coming seasons. But um, before we before we wrap it up, let's just talk about the resources. And, and people will, I just want to say before that you get into it, that people will be able to see this in the show notes and uh, we'll, we'll have other ways of, of getting this to you. But go ahead, please. Where can people learn more and um, discover more for themselves? Well, the first resource is to practice mindfulness meditation. <clears throat> there are so many things online. There are apps. There are books. But learning mindfulness will help you learn to be in the present moment. So that is a really helpful tool. The Inner Game of Music is a book by Tim Galway. He wrote it with Barry Green. And uh, I don't know if I, you want to... I think I read that book when I was in high school. Mm, yeah. I'm, it must have been high school. And it's awesome. Yes. That book changed me big time right so uh and i read the tennis one the inner game of tennis and it it really supported my it supported me to be free to play well and get out of my own way the power of now is a book by eckhart toll 
And it's about being in the present moment, practicing being in the now. Phenomenal book, by the way. That yes. was that was a game changer for me. Yes, it's it's a. I mean, it was hot. I could read it and just had to. Yeah. Be with. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, Absolutely. that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. It was the same for me. Um, the Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Brene uh, also has a couple of TED Talks, but she talks about uh, the striving for perfection and the underlying shame that really is driving the need to be perfect. And so I think she does a lovely human job at sharing her story and really addressing this um, need to be perfect and the underlying shame. Hmm. As I mentioned, there are more tools for visualization or guided imagery at healthjourneys.com, healthjourneys.com. It's a great story of how that started, but um, they do a wonderful job. Bella Ruth does a wonderful job, and she has now other people contributing on her website. And then I think that there's going to be a link that we're offering. Yep. Um, years ago, for a company called Conscious Eating, I did a six, five to six minute be in your body meditation. And it's short and it's easy to do. But there'll be a link on, on somewhere. Yep. For That's pe- the CD that you gave me, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and did you do the two tracks or just the one? I put all three on my computer. You gave okay. me a CD. Yes. And then you also gave me this like rectangular thing. It's I had to called Google. a tape, Dave. It's it. called a tape. <laughs> turns out it's a turns out it's a cassette. Yes. <laughs> so I just gave that right back to you because I didn't know what to do with it. A kahoot? I'm never, I'm never going to hear that. <laughs> but the CD is all good. It's in my computer, and we'll Great. put a link to that. Yes. Sure. So the first one would be this: be in your body meditation. The second is a full body relaxation um if you want some support in relaxing your whole body yeah and i don't think you need to put the third one on the site but okay yeah cool so those are some resources uh to support you in this um practice and endeavor and to support your success and your complete enjoyment of music and if people want to connect with you mm. at all, can they or, or how and how would they? Yes, I am old school. I still don't have a website, but um, I can be found on Psychology Today. They have, a, they have a website and you look under Therapist Finder, type in my name, Kate O'Sullivan, and you can contact me directly through that site. Or you can call me, 818-429-4407, and leave a message, and I'd be happy to get back with you if you want any further support. Maybe awesome. also just kind of spitball in here, but something that we could do is maybe create a little form that listeners could go to and fill out maybe some questions that they might have for you, mm. and um, maybe we could present them in a, at a later episode. Absolutely, I would off. be happy maybe to come by back. season two, we might have a website of our own. That we could hey, have you never know. <laughs> Sky's the limit. Man. I mean, we started with cassettes, and <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, going, we're going forward. It's only going up from here. <laughs> That's right. Kate, this has been excellent. Wow. I mean, um, really, really a perfect way to, to wrap up the conversations that we've had so far. So we appreciate you being here. Yeah. I'm glad to support uh, people living an embodied life, and I'm happy to support musicians, as you know. And um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you guys. Awesome. Thank you for being here. It's yeah. been great. great. Dave, anything you want to wrap up with? No, I think we've done a, a perfect uh, summary here and a great job wrapping up. So Cool. And I think we're going to try and uh, touch base with you while you're on the road. Yes. Right, with Aubrey. So yep. cool. um, if you're listening, you'll see some uh, some bonus shows that yep. be, we'll be posting after we kind of check in with you. And then um, once you guys are back, yep. uh, we have some other guests that uh, we already have planned out for next season so i just want to say thanks to everybody for listening and um, hopefully that you you are better for this and that you're continuing to walk on your journey but uh, again go back and listen from the beginning find those threads and understand that everybody started somewhere but to really achieve the the best version of you you have to not only practice your instrument you have to practice being in your body and you have to practice your mind and developing that so uh, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll get those bonus shows coming soon talk to you Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset Podcast with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, 
please leave a written review and a five-star rating on iTunes.